Welcome to Coach Bennett's Podcast, where every run has a purpose, where kindness is hardcore, where this is about running, and this is not about running, where every starting line is a finish line in disguise, where rambling still gets you where you need to be, where pineapple will never ruin your pizza, and the sodas, adult and not adult kind, are always cold, and where there is room on the starting line for everybody. I'm Coach Bennett. Thank you for letting me be a part of your day. Let's get started. Welcome to episode five. That's right, episode five of Coach Bennett's podcast, and we're going to be talking about starting, starting a run, whether it's starting over, starting again, or starting back, which means we're going to be talking about measuring success as many ways as you can. We're going to be talking about celebrating and having and looking for the excuse to celebrate more and more and more. We're going to be talking about being a runner. We're going to be talking about being a fan and being a great coach and teammates yourself so you can find more starting lines in your life. And as always, this is about running, and this is not about running. So enough intro already. Let's get started. Welcome to episode five of Coach Bennett's podcast. That's right, episode five. Can you believe that? I hope so, because this literally is episode five. It's not even a question of faith. It just is it's episode five. Are you excited? I hope you're excited. I'm excited. And thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me on episode five. If we're doing Roman numerals, it's V. V is for victory. V is for uh, visitors. Does anyone remember the uh, 80s show? V. It was about aliens invading. I don't think I ever even watched a full episode because I feel like it was on late and or I wasn't allowed to watch it. I'm not really sure, but I wanted to watch it. Are you kidding me? A TV show about an alien invasion? Oh, man. I'll tell you what. Eight or nine or ten or eleven-year-old Chris, I'm not sure when it actually came out. I should look it up. Really wanted to watch it, but I never got to watch it. So... I also have never actually checked to see if it's streaming. And maybe it is. Maybe there's a reason why I've never looked. Maybe it's actually a terrible show. I'm not sure. Maybe you've seen V. Who cares? I don't even care anymore. This is episode five. Welcome and thank you for being with me. We've got an awesome episode ahead of us. We have a massive mailbag. I'll tell you what. One of the things that has occurred between the trailer through episode four and then suddenly between episode four and five the difference is the mailbag like all right people you have come through with mail and questions and stories got a t-shirt as well which i'm going to rock pretty soon so you'll see that on probably Instagram or something like that. I'm going to be rocking the shirt. We'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, so a lot has been going on over five episodes. Now, granted, the trailer, episode one, episode two, they came out on the same day. But then we had episode four, and now we've got episode five. It's kind of bananas to think that so little time has passed, and yet so much has taken place. In fact, let's actually look ahead a little bit. 
this next week is going to be wild too because I'm going to be heading down to Eugene for the U.S. National Championships for track and field at Hayward Field. Now, this is also the national championship that's going to decide the U.S. team for the world championships, which are in Hungary in August. So if you're a runner, that's right, a running nerd, a runner, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you are a runner, and you should be, this is your sport, you should be a geek, you should be a nerd about it, you should be a dork about your sport, it's going to make you enjoy your running even more. If you become a nerd about the sport in general, pay attention, because whether it's on Threads, yes, I said Threads, who's the cool guy here? I am Threads, which is the new version of Twitter. I'm on there, by the way, at Coach Bennett. Also, Instagram, I'm going to be putting up videos, pictures, stories, because uh, I'm going to be in Eugene, and I'm going to be nerding out, and I'm going to be having a good time at the U.S. National Championships. So that's what's ahead, and what's also ahead is this episode, which is going to be about starting. Now, I know that there was an episode called Starting Lines that was specifically about the podcast, and the background on the podcast, and how I started, and what was holding me up. This episode is going to be called Start Me Up, because, well, I'm a Stones fan. I'm a Rolling Stones fan, and Start Me Up is cool, and I love the song, and it just fits, and why not, right? I mean, don't, if something's going to be too poetic, just allow it to be poetic. So the episode is called Start Me Up, because I get questions all the time about starting, whether it's starting a training plan, because right about now is when um, people start training for fall marathons, half marathons in the fall. They want to start back up running because it's summertime. It's very similar to the start of the new year. The start of summer is very similar to the start of the new year. So I'm getting lots of people asking about like, how do I start? How do I start again? How do I start over? So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about starting and starting lines. If you follow me anywhere, you know I love starting lines. I think too much focus is on the finish line and not enough is on the starting line. The starting line is where you need hope. The starting line is where you need courage. The starting line is where you need faith and self-belief. It's just a magical place. And the second you cross that starting line, you've begun a journey. You have started an adventure. It is a powerful line. So that's why we're going to talk about it. And we're going to start by talking literally about a first run, literally about starting a run. And as always and forever, this is about running and this is not about running. So let's talk about that first run caveat here. Am I showing off my vocabulary? I don't think so. I don't think caveat's that big of a word. But if you've never heard of the word caveat, now you have. I'm not going to define it for you. You can look it up. In fact, get yourself a dictionary. Get yourself a real physical dictionary. Don't just look it up online on your phone. Get a dictionary. It's fun to flip through a dictionary. And I'll tell you what, when you're bored and you're flipping through the TV, and there's nothing on, I'll tell you what, pick up a dictionary and just flip through the dictionary. Very nerdy, a very dorky thing to do, but I'll tell you this, 
if you flip through the dictionary for those 10 minutes where you're bored and you don't know what to do, you will leave better than if you're just flipping through the TV. I'm telling you, if nothing else, you're going to come across a couple of wild, wild words you had no idea existed. Okay, so there's, there's your first tip of the day, and I'll tell you what, this episode 5 is full of damn tips. Okay, so let's start with the first run, knowing that we're talking about running here. And we're not talking about running here. The first run. What is the purpose of a first run? A lot of times people think the purpose of a first run is to end it fitter or faster. Nah, nah, nah. That is not the purpose of a first run. Before we get into exactly what the purpose of a first run is, let's talk about why most people start a first run. And it's not always from a great place. Most people start a first run from a place where they are not happy with themselves. It's usually, um, I'm out of shape. Uh, I don't like who I am right now. I have problems with how I look, how I feel. I have low confidence. I'm insecure. These are the ingredients for somebody starting a first run. And all too often what happens is they look at the first run as something that is going to change their lives completely as opposed to something that's going to change them period doesn't mean change them a lot doesn't mean it's an emotional spiritual physical mental and mindful earthquake of which they will never be the same again after no it's just a first run and to be honest with you the first run shouldn't be that long i mean your first run back your first run ever, your first run starting over doesn't need to be 30 minutes, but most people think it does. And I think that's because most fitness classes are 30 minutes long. So people assume if they're going out for a run, well, they should go for 30 minutes. I don't know where this started, but I'm hoping this is where it ends. Or people put a distance on it and they'll say, all right, I'm going for a run. What should I do? Well, I think 5k is a good distance. Yeah, I mean, 5K is a great distance. I don't know why 5K needs to be the distance. 5K is just a distance. Is it a good distance? Well, it depends on the athlete and the purpose of the run. But it doesn't need to be the distance of your first run. Your first run can be one minute long instead of 30 minutes long. Your first run can be 500 meters long instead of 5,000 meters long. The purpose of a first run is to end it wanting to run a second run. The purpose of a first run is that there is a next run. That's the purpose. And I'll tell you why that's the purpose. Because the good stuff that comes from running comes from running consistently. The good stuff comes when you get back on another starting line. That's where the good stuff comes from. So if your first run is too far, what happens? You end it in your mind too soon. And that makes you think I'm not enough or running is too much. And that's not a good thing. That doesn't inspire you to come back to the starting line. Maybe it's too fast. And I don't know why people think they should run fast on their first run. Again, what you want is to end the run knowing 
you could have gone faster, knowing you could have gone further. That's how you want to end the run, the first run. In fact, you want to end the first run before you want to end the first run. You want to end it saying like, no, I could go longer and it feels good and I want to go longer, but you know what? Not today. Because this is about way more than today. I'm going to celebrate today. I'm going to be proud of today. I'm going to be motivated and inspired by today. But today is not the only day. I need to set myself up for success today for tomorrow or two days hence. And you better believe I just said hence. Yes, what a great word. Hence, when you're looking up caveat, take a moment and look up hence. It's not an exciting definition. In fact, you don't have to look up hence. You know how to use hence, okay? And if you're using hence incorrectly, actually, I think that's great. Because if I heard somebody use hence incorrectly, I would debate whether or not I even want to correct them. Because it's just, it's kind of funny to hear that. So I'll I'll tell you a little side story here. I used to say, for all intensive purposes, which is not correct, but I did that until I was uh, maybe 20, 21. And I know how long I did it because I was dating Tammy, who's now my wife. And we were in college and we were working together in a running store. <laughs> and I said, blah, 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 blah. Probably something boring and probably borderline incorrect. And I said, for all intensive purposes. And she said, whoa, 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 what? And then I repeated what I thought she was talking about, which was my main, most likely incorrect point. She goes, no, did you just say intensive purposes? I said, yes. And she said, no, it's intense and purposes. Intense and purposes. And I was like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Isn't that what I said? She's like, no. And I knew that's not what I said. But yeah, I had spent uh, a really long time saying that incorrectly and... Am I embarrassed by that? A little bit. I'm also a little bitter at all the people who heard me and never corrected me. Unless they are also saying intensive purposes. And we were just in this kind of uh, moron factory where we were just kind of saying the wrong thing and, 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 you know, kind of boosting up everyone's idea of what was correct, even though it was wildly incorrect. It's, this is the danger of of people not being open to being corrected and also people not having the courage to correct other people. So it's very similar, I think, to when somebody obviously has some shit in their teeth and you're like, do I embarrass them by letting them know they've basically got like a head of lettuce between two of their teeth? And the answer is yes, tell them because it stops right there and doesn't continue. They don't go the rest of the night with Caesar salad teeth. You know what I mean? So just let them know. And there's two parts to this. It takes, I think, some real strength and confidence and a level of security in who you are to accept criticism, valid criticism, accept valid criticism, and admit when you're wrong. It's also a sign of friendship to tell someone when they're wrong. That's what you want. You want people in your life that will stand next to you or in front of you or behind you when you are in the right 
and you want people to stand up to you when you're wrong, okay? And at a minimum, let you know that you've got a significant amount of lettuce between your teeth. Now, I went on a ramble. I've kind of lost track of what I was talking about, but I do know in the bigger picture, we're talking about the first run and what the purpose of a first run is. So I'm going to go into a few more purposes that go beyond wanting to end that first run, wanting to run again, which is important, knowing you could have gone further and you could have gone faster because a first run should be easy. It should feel easy at all times physically. Mentally, mindfully, maybe it's a struggle because you're dealing with all sorts of things, but it should feel easy physically, which means you need the guts to run the right pace and not think you have to run hard because your gym teacher or PE teacher from 20 years ago said, this is what running is. Running is punishment. Running is always hard. If, if somebody told you that, they're an idiot. Okay, so I absolve you from paying attention to them because they're morons. Running is not always supposed to be hard. Running is not always supposed to be painful. Running is not always supposed to be a struggle. Okay, so back off. Run the brave way, which is the right way, which is easy for that first run. Okay, another thing that is absolutely essential to a first run and every other run after that is you want to measure success as many ways as you can. Now, if you go back to the beginning of this discussion about a first run, I said that most people think I got to run 30 minutes or I got to run 5K or I got to run a certain pace for 5K or 30 minutes or whatever the distance is that's made up and arbitrary and actually based on nothing at all. When you're measuring success by only those metrics, you're limiting the amount of success you have. And on top of that, most people are basing it on distances, durations, and paces that are stupid based on nothing and really have nothing to do with the success of a first run and really the success of what your journey is going to be. Because if the first run is finished and you're excited about it, you're pumped about it, you feel good about it, and you're looking forward to that next run, then you are already in a great position to continue on this running journey. If you end the run distraught, disappointed, dismayed, you're probably not going to look forward to that next run. You're going to be setting yourself up to be in a bad position, a weak frame of mind, a stressed mentality as you start this next run, and you're once again going to be trying to run too hard, too long, or too fast. So it's probably going to set you up for a second unsuccessful run. What you want to do is measure success as many ways as you can. So if you're paying attention to what I said, which is run easy physically, without a doubt. Don't worry about how long. Don't worry about how fast. Don't worry about how hard. Don't worry about how far. Focus on finishing knowing you could have gone further, could have gone harder, could have gone faster, could have gone longer. And the run wanting to run again. If you can do that, now when you're done, you can start to look back and measure even more successes because all of those things were successes, which is great. You need to celebrate your successes. So if you're measuring success as many ways as you can, you're also adding victories to the run. I'll give you an example. So today was very, very hot here in Portland. Just to let you know, uh, I think it was a high of about 95, 96 degrees Fahrenheit. 
and I went for a run. It was still very, very, very warm. I started out, and I'm like, geez, I'm really running slow. And then I thought to myself, it's 95 degrees, man. This is exactly how you should be running, even though it's way slower than I normally start my runs, and I start my runs very easy. But I just realized, geez, I'm running very slow. And I stopped myself and thought, I'm running really smart right now is it's really hot. And if I make a mistake early in a hot run, you don't recover. On a hot day, you don't recover when you make mistakes. It's too hot to recover. So I caught myself and I thought, no, 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 you're doing the right thing. That was a success. That was good coaching. That was me stepping in as a coach, telling the athlete, stop before you get negative. This is a good thing. That's a success. That's good coaching. Oh yeah, absolutely. I also passed by a lemonade stand. There were two young boys. They were selling lemonade. And as I went by, how cool is this? They said, hey, do you want some free lemonade? You look tired. Now, they have no idea how long I've been running. No joke. I had been running for less than two minutes. And I said, I'm actually cool right now. How long are you going to be out here? They said, 30 minutes. I said, okay. I said, I'll be back did my run. It wasn't 30 minutes. I didn't even go 30 minutes, but I went home. I grabbed a dollar. I came back. They gave me my free lemonade and I gave them a dollar tip. That was a success because these kids were happy and I got some lemonade. It was a fun part to the run, made the run a little bit more interesting, to be honest with you. And I just thought, what a cool thing. These kids offering me some free lemonade, me coming back, which they probably thought I wasn't going to come back. What a cool little moment in the neighborhood. Success. Does it have anything to do with minutes run, meters run, miles run, pace, cadence, heart rate? No, not at all. But it's a success. So if you can look back at your runs and measure success as many ways as you can, you're going to find more success. If you find more success, you'll find more things to celebrate, which are more things to motivate you and inspire you to get on a line again. And if you get on a line again, you're getting more consistent. And Consistency is the key. So celebrate more. And you do that by measuring success as many ways as you can. Okay, I've got another thing for you when you're starting up running. Mix things up. The tendency is when you start running to do the same thing over and over and over again because it's safe. And if you're lucky enough to have that first run be a success, you feel a little timid, a little scared to step out to branch out and do something different. So the tendency is I'm just going to do the same thing again because it worked and running has never worked for me and I just want it to work. So I'm going to do the same thing again. And what happens is it turns into the same thing again and again and again and again. And suddenly consistency turns into constantly. And now suddenly it's boring and you no longer want to run again. It doesn't matter that you're finding success. You're finding the exact same success as yesterday. It doesn't matter that you've run three days this week. It was the same run three days this week. That's what starts to happen. Early on, you may be noticing different things, but suddenly they start to blend together and your running gets boring. And what you realize, I'm sorry, what you fail to realize is the running's not what's boring. The runner is boring. You want to mix things up. 
And by mix things up, I mean mix it all up. I've said this before in some articles and on some runs. You want your running week to look like an epic mixtape. Think about what an epic mixtape looks like, okay? It's got fast songs, slow songs. It's got different artists from different albums, maybe from different eras. It is a roller coaster. It's loop-de-loops, and it's straight shots, and there's twisting turns. It is an epic mixtape, which is why when you put it in, you put it in during all different situations, road trips, long runs, uh, washing the dishes, uh, pre-game, before a party, during the party, post-game, after the party. It's got a little bit of everything if it's an awesome, kick-ass, badass, epic mixtape. That's what you want your running to look like. You want your running to have easy days and hard days, different types of speed runs like fartlek, tempo runs, short intervals, long intervals, hill workouts. You want to have those runs that are, you know, early in the morning. Why? Because it's wild to get an early morning run done. I'll tell you what, if you've never done a morning run, do a morning run because around 3, 4, or 5 p.m. when you start thinking, oh, geez, I got to run, and you realize you don't, oh, baby. It is bliss when you realize the run has been done. If you have the ability to run in a safe environment where you're comfortable at nighttime, a night run is awesome. It's very different. Now, granted, there are different parts about a night run that you have to take into account, which we can go over on a different uh, episode of Coach Bennett's podcast. But your pace is going to be different because you're going to want to back off. Okay, it's usually a little bit cooler. There are even different sounds. The, the bugs are different. It's a very different environment, but it mixes things up. If you run on roads a lot, run on a trail every once in a while. If you run on trails all the time and you have access to maybe running on some hard-packed sand or even running on a road loop that's really cool, do it. If you normally run in a group, run alone. If you normally run alone, run in a group. Mix things up. The purpose of the run, the time of day, even the direction of the loop, the terrain, all of these things you can play with that will diversify your running and make it more interesting, it'll also make you a better runner. Because when you're running on different terrains, when you're running for a different purpose, when you're running different types of workouts, when you're running different paces with different efforts, you're challenging yourself in different ways. And that strengthens you entirely. So when you're running hard, when you're running easy, when you're running long, when you're running short, when you're running fast, when you're running slower, when you're running hills and you're running pancakes, when you're running trails and you're running roads, it's challenging you in different ways and it's making you better entirely as a wholly looked at runner, W-H-O-L-L-Y, runner. That's why you want to mix things up. If you can start your running journey by diversifying your run, by mixing up the way that you're running and the runs that you're doing, you're going to keep your running from going stale and you're going to keep the runner fresh. So don't be afraid to mix things up early. You don't have to wait six months to do a speed workout. You don't have to wait a year to do a long run. By the way, your longest run of the week technically is your long run, 
okay? So if you run once this week, it's your easy run, it's your hard run, and it's your long run, all right? So mix things up. All right, I got two more because we got a whole bunch of questions we got to do because, like I told you, the mailbag is bananas this week. Okay, be a student of the sport. Ask questions. Learn. Pay attention. You can read books. You can read magazines. You can listen to podcasts. You can watch the sport on TV. You can watch the sport on your phone or on your computer. You can be streaming meets from yesterday or live today or from 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Be a student of the sport. It is your sport. Ask questions. And believe me, everyone has something worth listening to. And, and some of you may be thinking, I don't know, not everybody. No, they do. Sometimes the best advice to hear is the wrong advice because it highlights the correct advice. There's a reason why I made two runs in the app specifically called Best Advice Ever Run and Worst Advice Ever Run. It's really terrific to hear great advice. But it also can help you when you hear the worst advice, as long as you know it's terrible advice. And you will have a better chance of being able to differentiate between great advice and crap advice if you're a student of the sport. And hearing people give you bad advice and knowing it's bad advice is powerful because it reaffirms that you're getting smarter, more knowledgeable, wiser about the sport. If you can do all of that, then not only is that going to help you as you're starting out in this sport, it's going to help you consistently throughout your journey in this sport. You don't have to wait to get a certain amount of meters or miles or minutes or a certain personal best or, you know, wait until you've raced a 10K or a half marathon or a marathon before you can become a student of the sport. Just like you don't have to do any of those things to become a runner. As long as you go for a run, you're a runner. And as long as you go for a run, you can be a student of the sport, okay? So be a student of the sport. The last thing I'm going to tell you for this episode is be a fan of the sport. Be a fan of the other runners that you see out there on the roads and the trails. They are not your competition. They are your colleagues. They are not your enemy. They are your teammates. They are not a reason for you to feel insecure. They are there for you to feel inspired and know it is the same for them when they look at you. Okay? All too often... Runners see the sport and they see people taking part in the sport and they use it as an excuse to beat themselves up. That needs to end. You need to see other runners out there and say, hell yeah, good for you and good for me. You can see them and say, look at them out there. They're working and just know you're doing the same damn thing. When you see someone out running while you're running, it is an excuse for you to celebrate them and an excuse for you to celebrate yourself. It is not an excuse to beat yourself up. It is not an excuse for you to say, look what they're doing and they're doing it better than me. That's shitty teammate. Don't do that. Use it as an excuse to celebrate them and yourself. And the sport at every level, it's your sport. I was saying that this weekend in Eugene is the U.S. National Championships. All around the world, there are national championships going on. It's your sport. Be a fan. Celebrate it. 
I'm going to be spending the weekend watching people do things I can't do. I never could do. And it inspires me to do things. It inspires me to go for a run. It inspires me to try hard. It inspires me to take risks. It inspires me to take on challenges. It inspires me to try new things. When I see people doing extraordinary stuff out there on the track and the field, it gives me hope. I mean, that's awesome. Who doesn't want that to be a part of their life? But sometimes people think that there's like this imaginary barrier. Like, well, I can't be a track fan because I'm not a track and field athlete. Well, you're, you're a runner. It's your sport. What do you think? You have to run a certain time to enjoy the sport? Do you think everyone in an NBA arena can dunk or shoot 40% from the three-point line? Do you think that the record number of people watching the women's Final Four in NCAA basketball could all get on that court and do what those women were doing? Absolutely not. No way. But they didn't watch because they thought, well, I can do this. And people didn't choose, at least I hope, not to watch because they thought, well, I shouldn't you know, be watching this because I can't do it. Are you kidding? You watch it to be entertained and to be inspired. That's why you can watch track and field. The difference is you actually do what they do. You do run. You do push yourself. You do challenge yourself. You know what it feels like to run down a last straightaway if you've ever done a workout or a race and pushed yourself to your limits. That's how it feels. It feels like you've got battery acid in your veins. You're breathing in fire. It feels like there's concrete being poured into your legs. That's what they're feeling down the last straightaway. You've felt that before if you've done a hard enough workout or raced. Okay, great. You got something in common with them. Believe me, you got more in common with the people racing and competing in track and field than you probably do with people playing basketball, football, softball, baseball at an elite level. So be a fan of the sport because it is your sport. So be a fan of your sport. Now, if you can do all those things, then your first run absolutely will lead to a next run, which will lead to a next run. And like I said, that will lead to consistent running, and that's where the magic is. So you can use this whole thing and pull out running and put whatever else you want in there, and it works. It works for all of it. Because like I said, this is about running, and this is not about running. So there you go. That was the heart and soul of this episode. And now we get to get into, again, I'm not big on segues. I'm going to get better at segues. Maybe we'll even have like some music in there that we can like slide in like segway. And don't worry, I'll not sing the segues. But we've got mail. I don't know if you can hear this, but I am grabbing some of the mail right now. And we're going to do some mailbag because we are almost done with episode five. Okay, we're starting off with a question. We're going to do a couple questions today. I'm, pr- I'm pretty excited. And I'm going to try not to ramble so we can kind of rip through these. But the first one is from Chris is 2020. And it's how do I prepare best for a run or a race? Now, Chris, I'm assuming it's Chris. Chris, it depends on what the race or the run is. I will say this. The best place to prepare for a race or a run are other runs. For whatever reason, we don't refer to our runs as practice. Every other sport refers to everything other than a game as practice. And I think that's what we should really do. Okay, two things. We should look at running as we're, we're playing running. 
And we should look at our runs as practice for those bigger runs or those big races. So look back at your running log, and here's a little you know asterisk here, assuming you have a running log, and this is one of the reasons why you have a running log. Look at some of your biggest workouts or biggest runs and see what you did leading up to them. How did you prepare for them, whether it's mentally or physically or, or even nutrition-wise, recovery prior to it or after it? What were the things that worked and what were the things that didn't work? Don't be afraid to go critical. Remember, criticism is never bad if the purpose of it is to improve you. You want to be critical to build up, not critical to beat down, which is why you look for weaknesses, which is why you look for mistakes, because within those mistakes, within those weaknesses are opportunities to improve. That's never a negative thing. So I would say the best thing to do right now, if you haven't kept a running log, is to start keeping a running log and start paying attention to what you're doing. Journal in there about what you do on a daily basis, because you're going to see some things that work and some things that don't. Okay. All right. But great question. Okay. Next question coming from the great state of Illinois, Matt Massett. Great. You've got a couple of questions in here. I'm going to answer one of them this time. Um, and the one I'm choosing is, is because I get it asked a lot. It says how many MPH miles per hour. So it could be KPH two kilometers per hour is considered running. You see, I've started trying to run back when I was 30 with the birth of my first child. Up until then, I told people I jogged and not ran since it was closer to 10 minutes a mile. Okay, I'm a dictionary dork, okay? Now, if you look up running, it says the act of a runner. It says nothing about how far, and it says nothing about how fast. The biggest differentiating factor between running and walking, it's not running and jogging. They mean the same thing. Some people say jog when they mean they're running slowly, and some people say they're running instead of jogging, which means they're going a little bit quicker. There's no, there is, there is no difference. There's no difference at all. You, you look at some of the, the professional runners, their jog is other people's hardest runs. So it ha, there, there is, it's totally personal. So throw that away. There is no difference between jogging and running. The real difference is between jogging and walking. And, and the only difference between jogging and walking is flight. When you run, you fly for a little bit. When you walk, there's always one foot on the ground. That's the biggest difference. It has nothing to do with how far you run for it to count as a run. and has nothing to do with how fast. If you're flying a little bit, you're running. That's all that matters. And I would recommend that you pay a little bit of attention to yourself when you're out there running or jogging. They mean the same thing. And pay attention to how you're flying a little bit. Yes, it's not very long. But you're flying, you're taking off, and you're landing. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So it's not how far, not how fast, not how long. It's whether or not you're taking flight. That's the difference between running and walking. Okay? Okay, I think we've got time for one more in this episode. This is coming from Calgary, Canada. Our neighbors up north and Cody Woolsey who has uh, an idea, actually, for a future podcast. And, Cody, you're going to be excited about my answer here, but let me just um, read what you wrote. Cody writes, I don't necessarily have a question, but more of an idea, maybe for a show or a segment on a show. Yesterday, I did one of my favorite guided runs on the NRC app, 10K Head Starts. 
I love this one. 5K Head Starts is rad too, by the way. And one of my favorite thought starters is right around 2 or 3K. In the end, if you give everything to the people and things you are most passionate about, you will end up with more than when you started. Okay, and then he writes, My thought for the show, more specifically, is breaking the quote down. What things can we do to stay on track and focused on those most important people and things to make sure we are moving somewhere better down the road and in our lives? Well, let me tell you this, Cody. Yes, we are actually going to have episodes of Coach Bennett's podcast where I am breaking down some of the more popular quotes that I've said that I know have resonated with all of you. We'll give background on them. I'm going to talk about them where they came from, why I said them, and dive deeper. So, yes, Cody, yes, we will do it. So, thank you to everyone that has sent in uh, to the mailbag. There's a whole bunch of letters I didn't get through. I realize that I'm I'm coming up on time here. Uh, I have these uh, kind of thoughts when I go in, like, we'll do this, it'll be like 30 minutes long, and we're already probably going to be somewhere around 45 minutes for this one. And I apologize for nothing, because I think this is a badass episode. So I hope you do too. But that is, in fact, the episode. I'm going to be spending the next couple days in Eugene. I hope some of you can join me virtually, or maybe if you're in Eugene at Hayward Field for Nationals, hunt me down and say hello. I would love to do a high five and a photo and be able to tell you personally, thank you for letting me be a part of your running journey. And if you're not in Eugene, hopefully you listened to this and you went on a few runs and you had a great couple of days until we meet again for episode six of Coach Bennett's podcast. So to everyone listening, thank you so much. To everyone that wrote, I'm, I'm reading the letters and I'm going to be getting to those questions Thank you for writing. Thank you for sending them in. Check out the show notes for the address. You can send in your questions to Coach Bennett's podcast. So take care of each other. And remember, every run you do is a first run. It's your first run since the breakup. It's the first run since the injury or the sickness. It's your first run ever. It's your first run back. It's your first run since the last run. It's always a new starting line. And on the other side of it is a finish line that you know is just a starting line in disguise. So when it's time for you to get back on a starting line, if you want, I'll meet you there. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Coach Bennett's podcast. And if you feel like you just got to get yourself some more Coach Bennett, you can find me on Instagram at Coach Bennett. Or you can subscribe to Coach Bennett's newsletter on Substack or check me out on Cameo, TikTok, or Mastodon, all as at Coach Bennett. So until next time, cheers to you.